0: Good morning. I invite you guys to turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter one. We're going to finish up the chapter, the first chapter in Ecclesiastes. We're continuing on in our series, looking at uh, the book of Ecclesiastes, looking at uh, Solomon's perspective under the sun, what, what, searching for meaning, purpose, and value in our world, in our life. Right. We talked about this last week that the phrase "under the sun" is is really important. Uh, under the sun, under heaven, like those phrases are really important for the book of Ecclesiastes, and they're repeated often in the in the book of Ecclesiastes because that's where Solomon is searching for meaning, purpose, and value. He's looking at the physical world, he's looking at our universe, he's looking at our lives, and he's searching for meaning, purpose, and value there. He's not thinking theologically or philosophically, and that in that perspective, he's looking out at the world and just saying, "Where is there meaning?" Where is their purpose? Where is their value? And that's what he's looking at in the book of Ecclesiastes, and that's what we're studying. And and I mentioned this last week, uh, but the book of Ecclesiastes is fairly depressing, right? And so uh, as we go on through the book of Ecclesiastes, we see Solomon's perspective, his philosophy. It is a a fairly depressing philosophy that we're going to look at, which is why as we go through the book, there'll be two parts to every sermon, uh, or at least most of our sermons. There'll be an under the sun part, where we look at Solomon's findings as he looks under the sun, as he looks in our world for meaning, purpose, and value, we, there will be an under the sun perspective, and then we'll lift our eyes up to an eternal perspective, right? So under the sun is not all there is. There is a God who loves us, who created us, who knows us, and cares for us, and so we'll be able to lift our eyes up to that eternal perspective as well, to help kind of round it out. So we will get we'll get torn down and depressed by Solomon, and then hopefully lifted back up and encouraged by the the eternal perspective as we look. I have a, a pastor pastor friend who I once heard describe the, the main theme uh, uh, of the book of Ecclesiastes. He summarized the argument in this way, uh, life stinks and then you die. That's the book of Ecclesiastes in a nutshell. And that's really what we're, what we're going to see as we study the book of Ecclesiastes. Actually, uh, this portion of the text this morning, the second part of chapter one, is really the thesis for the book. This is the summary of Solomon's findings this is the, the, the main idea of the book all kind of wrapped up into one passage. We started last week with a little teaser about work and what, where there's meaning, purpose, and value in our work. Uh, but this week, we really get the thesis, the main idea of the book of Ecclesiastes. Look with me, Ecclesiastes chapter 1, beginning in verse 12. Ecclesiastes 1, beginning in verse 12. It says this, I, the preacher, have been king over Israel and Jerusalem. I applied my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom All that is done under heaven. It is an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. I have seen everything that is done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and striving after wind. What is crooked cannot be made straight, and what is lacking cannot be counted. I said in my heart, I have acquired great wisdom, surpassing all who were over Jerusalem before me, and my heart has had great experience of wisdom and knowledge, and I applied my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I perceive that this also is but striving after the wind, for in much wisdom is much vexation, and he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. <laughs> Amen. Let me, let me pray, and we'll get into the text this morning. <laughs> Let me pray, and we'll get into the text this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word, for the uplifting and exciting parts of it, for the challenging and uh, and potentially depressing parts of it. God, I, I thank you for your word, that it, it challenges the way that we think. It challenges the way that we live. It challenges our our, our thought process. It challenges our our lifestyles. God, that your word, it, it challenges us and conforms us to the image of Jesus pray we will have ears that are are willing to hear what you're saying to us this morning, God. And I pray that we will have hearts that are ready to apply it to our lives, that we would be people who are shaped and molded into the image of Jesus, God, that we collectively as the church would look more like Christ because of our time in the word, that we would leave here this morning better than when we came because we've spent time in your word, listening to you, hearing what you have to say to us. And God, we are willing to apply it. We love you and praise you. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. I could never have been a scientist. Uh, And that's because science was always my least favorite subject in school. Uh, I always hated science. And when I got to college uh, for my business degree, for the nine hours that were required for science, I took the easiest classes I could because I hated science, right? For the nine hours I needed in college, I took oceanography, animal science, and ultimate Frisbee. And (laughs) And no, we did not learn the physics of Ultimate Frisbee. We learned basic anatomy and played Ultimate Frisbee for like half our class periods, right? So, so that was my, those were my sciences I took. I, I hated science. I understand it. Right? I'll read books on science, but I always hated it. It was never my favorite. But I love the way that scientists talk about science. Right, the people who have made it their career to pursue science the way that they talk about it, the chemists, the biologists, the theoretical physicists, and so on, like when they talk about science, they talk about it as if it's a quest, right? a journey of uncovering and discovering truth. Right? It's, what, it's what gets them up in the morning, gets them excited that they want to discover something that's never been discovered before. They want to learn a little bit more about the world, and, and they want to share that discovery with other people. And so I can picture scientists on this, on this quest, this journey that has twists and turns as, as they uncover more evidence, but they're, they're just getting to the truth. And when they get to that truth, they don't, they don't hoard it for themselves usually, right? Normally they publish it, and they make sure that other people help to understand the world just a little bit better right so i love the way that scientists talk about science and and the the way that scientists talk about science is very similar to what solomon did here in the book of ecclesiastes solomon was on a quest or a journey to find truth and he wrote the book because as he uncovered truth as he discovered what there is in our world. He, he, be, he wanted to share that with us. Solomon tackled one of the questions that we all think about in our lives, but uh, at some point, but, but very few of us are brave enough to tackle. Solomon wanted to tackle the question what is the meaning of life? He wanted to, to tackle the question. He, he recognized that there is, there is a longing in each of us for purpose, for meaning for value, this, this limitless yearning to, to do something worthwhile with our lives. And so he, he looks at that and says, what, where is there meaning and purpose and value in our world? Where can we find it? And he tackles that question, and, and he searches the world, and he looks for answers, and he tries to give us the answers as well. And here's the answer that Solomon comes up with. And this is what we're going to see in the text this morning, kind of the thesis of the book. If we're looking in the world for meaning, purpose, and value, then we are looking in the wrong place. If we're going to try to find meaning and purpose and value in the world, we're going to fail. There it is. That's it. That that is the answer to the question. What is the, the meaning of life? Where is there meaning, purpose, and value in the world? Solomon's answer is there isn't. Like, it's not there. And this is the kind of the summary or the thesis for the book that we'll see kind of played out throughout the book of Ecclesiastes as we go along. But this morning, we're gonna, Solomon gives us two ideas that summarize his major findings as he looked for meaning, purpose, and value in the world. And, and here's the first finding. Number one, there is nothing special to do. There's nothing special to do in our world. Look with me in verse 12. I, the preacher, have been king over Israel and Jerusalem. And I applied my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. So he wanted to, he wanted to find where there's meaning, purpose, and value in life. And he wanted to, to, to search out what's going on. And Solomon says that his position of king gives him an excellent vantage point to find these answers. Right? So as king, he had access to all strata, uh, uh, all social strata. He wasn't confined to the to, to lower classes, or he he could he could interact with people from all social classes, kind of being at the top. Right? He had influence and control over a lot of different people over a wide geographic area. As a king, he interacted frequently with international traders and, and rulers of foreign powers. He also had immense wealth, enough wealth to, do, to follow any opportunities that he could find value or meaning or purpose in life. Like If anyone's going to, to find the answer of where there's meaning and purpose and value in life, it's going to be King Solomon. Because right, he had all of the the access to data that he could possibly get. He could get a very clear picture of what's done under the sun, of what's done in life. He can gather all of that data together. He can find all of the, the, the sources in the world to gather them together to find where pe- what people do. What is it that they spend their time on? What is it that, that fills them up and gives them joy? gathers all all of it together, and he can put it together and find in all of that data where the meaning and purpose and value in life is. And this is his summary, second half of verse 13. It is an unhappy business that God has given the children of man to be busy with. I have seen everything that is done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and striving after the wind. Solomon says, I've looked at everything I've seen what people do in this world. I've seen the things that 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 they pursue, the things that they seek to give them meaning and purpose and value and I've looked at it all and there is no meaning, purpose and value in any of it. It is all empty. It's all hollow. He says that it, it is an unhappy business that God has given the children of man to be busy with. It's the idea of, of God has given mankind something that's, that's busy work, something to keep them occupied during their life, but there is no meaning, purpose, or value in any of it. I think of it as like watching a child when you're watching a young child and you really need to use the restroom like you'll give that child a toy or you'll put on a show or something and keep them occupied right to keep their mind busy so that you can you can leave for a second and come back right in that moment that's kind of the picture that that Solomon is giving us God has given us something to keep us busy something to keep our mind on something that'll that'll fill us up but but ultimately all that is done under the Sun everything in our life, is hollow, it's empty, it is vanity, striving after the wind. We talked about this last week with our work. That there is nothing we can do in our work, no career achievement, nothing that is ultimately going to be valuable, nothing that's going to, to fill us up with meaning and purpose, that, that there's nothing that's going to last. And ultimately, whatever we whatever we do, whatever we accomplish, ultimately, 100 years from now, 500 years from now, no one's going to remember and it's not going to make any difference. Ultimately, all of our work is meaningless and empty, but it's not just our work. This encompasses everything that we do in our lives. Everything that we do from our, from our hobbies, our leisure, our relationships, everything that we can find to do in the world that we look to for purpose and meaning and value, all of it is empty. None of those things are going to fill that desire in our souls, the longing in our souls for meaning, purpose, and value. You will not find it in this world. You can't find it with your job. You can't find it with your relationships. You can't find it with your leisure or a vacation or your rest. Like you can't find meaning, purpose, and value in any of it. Solomon says it is like striving after the wind. The the imagery there, literally, it's, it's, it's like eating the wind is what he says. It's like standing there with the wind with your mouth open trying to consume it. Or it's like running after the wind and, and reaching out and trying to, trying to grab hold of it. There's nothing there. You can't do it. It is empty and hollow. Everything in our lives that we could possibly do, our work, our relationships, our, our, our free time activities, everything that we can fill our time with, everything we can do in the world is empty and hollow and devoid of meaning, purpose, and value. I told you, the book of Ecclesiastes is a little depressing. It's a little somber, but that's the point here. Some of you might push back. You might say, well, I love what I do. I love my job, and I I, I think that, that I find purpose and meaning in my job, that, that, that I have a reason to wake up in the morning, and I think I'm doing what I was made to do. There's purpose, and there's meaning in what I do. And some of you are like, nope. That's, I don't think that way. I I hate my job. But even if you hate your job, you've at least heard people talk like that, right? Like other people in the world seem to enjoy their job and find meaning and purpose and value in what they do. And it's really good that you feel that way. And we'll talk about that actually later on in the book of Ecclesiastes, the good uh, aspects of feeling that way and thinking that way about what you do. That's good that you feel that way, but what Solomon would respond to you uh, with that, if you're saying you found meaning and purpose and value in your job or, or in your leisure, or your hobby, or something that you do, what Solomon would say is you haven't found lasting meaning, purpose, and value, just the temporary illusion of it. You haven't actually found something that is meaningful, purposeful, and valuable forever. You're, you've just found something that is a temporary holdover, a, a temporary uh, placeholder, a temporary distraction from the fact that it's ultimately meaningless, purposeless, and valueless. Some of you in this room are are, are pilots, right? And this church has a disproportionate n- number of pilots compared to most churches. A lot of pilots here. Uh, if you find your meaning, purpose, and value in your job, what happens when you can't do that job anymore? Like, if you're a pilot... And, and, and you fi- you think that God, like, you are doing what God has made you to do. And, and I know I've, I've talked to a lot of pilots. There's a lot of joy in being up in the clouds and, and doing something that the rest of us can't do, which is fly a plane. And like the, there's a lot of joy and purpose, and, and there seems to be value there. Like, it, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a sense of doing what I'm supposed to do. But what happens where if you live long enough, the FAA tells you you cannot fly a plane anymore? <laughs> then the thing that's been giving you your meaning, purpose, and value goes away. And you find out you really didn't have meaning, purpose, and value. And even if you're here and you get to spend your entire life doing something you love, doing something that gives you meaning or purpose, something you think really gives you value, you get to spend your entire life doing it. What happens when you die? You can't take the work with you. And all of the effort that you spent during your life will be gone. And give it a few years, a few decades, a few centuries, nobody will remember it. It won't make any lasting difference. There is no meaning, purpose, and value that you can find in the things that you can do in this world. And even if you feel like there's meaning, purpose, and value, it is a temporary illusion. It is not actual meaning, purpose, and and value. Solomon summarizes his findings in verse 15 with a poem. What is crooked cannot be made straight. What is lacking cannot be counted. Our world is devoid of meaning Purpose and value. If we if we try to find those things in the things that we can do in the world, with with anything that we can pursue, if we want, if we try to find those things with our work, if we try to find those things with our relationships, if we try to find those things in the world, we will not find it. Our world is crooked. It is devoid of meaning, purpose, and value. We cannot straighten it. We can't take this this meaningless, purposeless work in our world and then somehow extract from it meaningful, purposeful, valuable. Work work. Our world is crooked and it cannot be made straight by you. We can try our very best to find satisfaction and meaning and joy and value in our work, but it is ultimately meaningless. You can do your very best to find joy and satisfaction and meaning in life, in your relationships with other people, trying to to find meaning and purpose in your your relationship with a guy or a girl. And you you can pursue sex and pornography, trying to find something to give you life, something to fill you up, something to make you happy. But there is no value in this world. There's nothing of meaning and purpose and value that you can find under the sun. So it will leave you ultimately empty. It will leave you ultimately broken. It is ultimately hollow. You can try to escape to drugs and alcohol to try to get rid and get away from the brokenness of the world, the emptiness of the world, to try to get away from the hollowness of existence, but ultimately you come back. You can try to escape to your family and your relationships, but ultimately that's not. uh, It doesn't provide any more meaning, purpose, or value for your life. Everything that we do in this world is empty and hollow. There's nothing special to do. What is crooked cannot be made straight, and you cannot count what's not there. You can't gather up meaning and significance and value from an empty set. (laughs) If it's not there, you can't somehow make it appear. Again, Solomon's a little depressing, but don't worry, it gets worse. Because some of you might say, well, yeah, it's not about what you do, right? It's not about getting meaning from, from what you can do, from what you can accomplish. It's not about, it's not about the, the destination, right? It's about the journey, right? We can find meaning, purpose, and value in, in learning and living a good life and trying to, to, to do better and be better. That's where you get meaning, Purpose and satisfaction and value. That's where you find it. It's not in the destination. It's in in how you live, how you get there. And and to that, Solomon responds with this There's nothing special to do and there's nothing special to learn. There's nothing special that you can learn, no key amount of wisdom, knowledge, insight that you can gain that is going to to help you find meaning, satisfaction, uh, purpose, and value in this world. Look with me in verse 16. Solomon says, I said in my heart, I've acquired great wisdom, surpassing all who were over Jerusalem before me, and my heart has had great experience of wisdom and knowledge, and I applied my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. So Solomon's point here is, all right, maybe there is no meaning or value or or purpose in the things that we do, but maybe you can find it in something that I can learn. Maybe there's a key to the universe that I can find and unlock as I, as I discover and learn and learn, and, and that'll just click in my mind, and I'll find purpose, meaning, and value in life. Or, or maybe it's, it's found in being a wise person and conducting myself in a really good way, and so I need to learn how to be a wise person, how to avoid foolishness, how to, how to conduct myself well, and, and just live a really good life. Like Maybe that's where I'll find meaning, purpose, and satisfaction. Here's his summary, second half of verse 17. I perceived that this also is but a striving after the wind. There is no key to, to life that you'll find as you search for wisdom and knowledge. There's no, there's no key piece of information that you're going to uncover to make it so that you find meaning, purpose, and value in life. It's not about being better as a person, it's not about being more wise, being more knowledgeable, interacting in the world in a better way, none of those things are going to provide satisfaction, meaning in life. As Solomon says, all of those things are also like striving after the wind, like trying to eat the wind or catch the wind, all of those things are still ultimately empty. Each of us have areas in our lives where we like to think that we know better or conduct ourselves better than other people. Right, that we, we have a better understanding of, of how to work, how to live. We, we we have more common sense than the average person. We we have a, a, a more uh, we we're, we're better at our job. We have more understanding of how to do our job than other uh, some of our coworkers. We are better drivers than the average person on the freeway, right? We know how to work a self checkout line without causing problems at Walmart, right? That one may be unique to me, but each of us have things in our lives where we like to think, All right, I, I, I conduct myself better than other people here, or, or I, I know better than other people in this area, or I, I know how, to, I know how to, to drive or act better than other people. There are areas in our lives where we like to think we know better, or we are wiser, where we are, we are, we are superior in knowledge or wisdom than other people in different areas, and we conduct ourselves better. And Solomon says to that, who cares? What's the point? There's no ultimate joy in that. There's no ultimate meaning and purpose and value in that. Because at the end of the day, you're not going to be any more satisfied than the person that you think is stupid. right? You're not going to be any more filled up. You're not going to have any more meaning, purpose, and value than the people that you think conduct themselves less, uh, less successfully than you. You're not going to be any more satisfied with meaning or purpose or value than your coworkers who you think do a worse job. You're not going to have any more meaning, purpose, and value than the drivers you think barely pass driver's ed. None of those things, your wisdom, your knowledge, your intellect, none of those things are going to give you joy. None of those things are going to give you meaning or purpose or value. At the end of the day, you are no better off than the person who's less wise or the person who's less knowledgeable. For all of your wisdom and knowledge, you gain nothing. Solomon summarizes his findings, again, with a a poem that I find a little funny. It says in verse 18, For in much wisdom there is much vexation, and he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. Solomon says, Your prize for growing in wisdom is getting really frustrated with the world. Like as you grow in wisdom, you become more and more frustrated as you look out on the chaos and the disorder and the dysfunction and the brokenness and the emptiness of the world around you. Some of you think that you, you know better in politics than the average person or the average politician and you grow weary and frustrated at, uh, at, at, at Washington, D.C. or at Austin. Some of you think, like I said, you're you're a better coworker than the person around you, and and as you grow in wisdom and knowledge and how to do your job, you just grow more frustrated at the people around you who don't know the things that you know. As you can look out at the world, there's much, the more wisdom you have, just the more frustrated you get at the world, or it doesn't operate the way that it should, or it doesn't function as well, where other people don't do what you want them to do, or what you think they should. The wiser you get, the more vexation there is. It says, and, and he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. This growth in knowledge, the more that you learn, doesn't mean that you're going to find meaning or satisfaction or purpose or value. What it means is you're actually getting, probably get a little sadder, right? Solomon's point is the more that you know, the worse off you are. Ignorance is bliss because here's Solomon with great wisdom, great understanding has gone on this massive quest to try to find meaning, purpose, and value in life, and the problem for all of his wisdom and all of his knowledge is coming to the realization that everything in life is meaningless, purposeless, and valueless. Like, that's the prize. How depressing of a prize for your growth in knowledge and wisdom. It may be better to just go on your way, right? Ignorant of the fact that there is no meaning, purpose, and value in life. And much wisdom is much vexation, and he who increases in knowledge Increases sorrow. There's nothing special we can do in life, and there's nothing special we can learn in life. There is no meaning, purpose, or value that we can find under the sun. Some of you are trying your best to find it in the things of this world. You are pursuing career advancement, thinking that that money or uh, or or, uh, recognition or promotion that those things are going to give you a greater sense of meaning or purpose or value. You're pursuing it in relationships with other people. You're pursuing it in in free time and hobbies and side hustles. You're trying to find meaning, purpose, and value in this world, and it's empty. You will always be searching. You will always be left wanting more. That's the perspective under the sun. Stop looking for meaning, purpose, and value in the world because it's not there. It is like trying to eat the wind or to catch it. It's empty. But there's another perspective than just under the sun. There's an eternal perspective, and here it is. And praise the Lord. Significant thought and action are rooted in faith in Jesus. Significant thought and action are rooted in faith in Jesus. The, the fact remains, this was under the sun, the fact remains that there's a God who created us who knows us and loves us. The Bible tells us that we were created to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. That's what we were created for. A relationship with God in which we experience his his love and his grace and his goodness and his kindness forever. And where we get to return to him all the glory and honor and praise that he's due. That's what we were created for. And in that relationship is meaning and purpose and value. And not just a little bit, but in that relationship is eternal, limitless meaning and purpose and value. And so if we want meaning, purpose, and value in this life, we have to live in a relationship with God, enjoying him forever and bringing him glory and honor and praise. The problem is that sin has separated us from God. Sin has, has separated us from that relationship and has cut us off from the joy, the peace, the life, the purpose, the value, and the meaning that God provides. It has kept us from bringing him glory and honor and praise. And it has sent us out on an empty search for life, for meaning, for purpose, for value in this world. Because we've rejected God as king. We've rebelled against him and we have looked for the same meaning and purpose and value that he provides and other things and nothing else out there can provide it like him. but Praise the Lord. There's a way for us to get back to a relationship with him. There's a way for us to be restored in our relationship with him because God sent his son Jesus to die on a cross for you to rise again from the graves, to give you forgiveness of your sins and to repair and restore your relationship with God so that you can once again receive the love and the grace and the kindness and the riches of, an, of a relationship with God and you can once again return to him glory and honor and praise that he's due. You can once again find meaning, purpose, and satisfaction through your relationship with him. And you do that through faith in Jesus. So the way to, to have significant thought an action is to live out a faith in Jesus. Wisdom, like Solomon talks about, if the whole purpose of wisdom is just to know more, to be a better person, then ultimately it's empty. There's no lasting value in that. But if our search of knowledge leads us to see more about God and to understand better how to live in the creation that he made, then that is, that is eternally significant, meaningful, and purposeful. If we grow in wisdom as a as a desire to align with the way that God has designed us and to align with the way that God has designed us to, to live in the world and to work with other people, to interact with other people, grow in wisdom for that purpose, aligning ourselves with who God is and what he's created us to do and be, then that is eternally purposeful, meaningful, and valuable. So as we we do those things through faith in Jesus. That's why Solomon says uh, in the book of Proverbs that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Faith in Jesus gives us the lens and the, and the uh, means by which we can grow in wisdom to align ourselves with who God is and what he's called us to be. As we grow in knowledge and we grow in wisdom for the purpose of aligning ourselves with who God is, that's something that's eternally valuable, eternally significant, meaningful, and purposeful. That's significant thought. But it doesn't. our faith is not just intellectual. It doesn't just play out in our mind. Our faith is also built out in actions. We live out our faith. We do things that matter forever that are eternally significant. In Revelation chapter 3, Jesus is talking to a church of Laodicea, and he tells them that this church thinks they're okay, thinks they're good because they have a lot of money, they have a lot of success, and so they think they're good. But Jesus tells them, you're actually broke, and you need to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may become rich. The idea there is that the church at Laodicea was was following the world, was living for today, and was amassing riches for themselves. And Jesus says, you haven't done anything that matters forever. If you place your faith in me and you live out of faith in me, you can do things that will be eternally significant. Gold refined by fire, uh, treasures in heaven. Things that will matter forever. So as we live out our faith in Jesus, as we, as we follow after Christ we, and we do the work that God has called us to do, we will do things that matter forever. As we as a church grow in unity, it's going to matter. As we as a church grow in Christ, there is meaning and purpose there. As we as a church go out and engage the lost with the gospel, we are doing something that is eternally valuable. And as we as individuals go out into the world and we do what we talked about last week, we do good work. We make beautiful things. We, li- we live with grace and kindness and love with the people around us. We lift up the name of Jesus in the things that we do and the things that we say as we go out and we do things that, that glorify God. We live in a way that we live out our faith in Jesus as we go out through those doors and we do those things. Then we're doing things that are going to matter forever it doesn't matter that your work is not going to matter forever, that the the thing that you do in your day job is not going to matter uh, for eternity. Because if you do it in a way that brings God glory, that lifts up his name, that, that, that proclaims his glory among your coworkers and among the people that you serve, if you do it in a way that brings God glory, then it delights him. And because it delights him, that is meaningful and purposeful and valuable. You and I can do things that are eternally valuable if we just live out our faith in Jesus. As a church, our mission is uh, we are a family of faith living for eternity today. And we live for eternity today because living for today, today is empty. Trying to find meaning and purpose and value in this world will get us nowhere. If you're looking in the world for those things, you're looking in the wrong place. Some of you this morning are still looking for meaning and purpose and value in our world. You are jumping from one thing to the next, trying to find something to fill you up, trying to find something that will give you life, trying to find something that will that will fill this longing within you to matter. You're running from job to job or, or within the same job pursuing advancement because in, in your mind, more money or more achievement or, or just the right job will fill you up and make you whole, will make will give you meaning and purpose and value. You are running to a guy or a girl. You are running to sex and pornography because you think that maybe those things are going to fill you up and give you life and give you meaning and give you purpose. You are running away to drugs and alcohol trying to escape the problems of the world because maybe just a little bit more is going to give you meaning and purpose or just a little bit of value. You are running to religious activities like church attendance and Bible reading and prayer thinking that those actions are going to give you meaning and purpose and value in themselves. At the end of the day, everything that you can do in this world is meaningless and purposeless and valueless if you're looking for it to fill you up. The bad news is that you have been looking in all the wrong places for meaning and purpose and value. But the good news is that you don't have to keep looking. Because God desires a relationship with you. He has made a way for you to be restored in your relationship with him so that you can once again experience meaning, and purpose, and value in life. So if that's you, if you've never placed your faith in Jesus this morning, you'll have the opportunity to do that. In just a second, I'm going to pray and then we're going to sing. And as we sing, I'm going to be standing right here. I would love for you to come up and let me pray with you. And there'll be people who would love to talk with you about what it means to follow Jesus. If you don't want to come up here, that's fine. Grab me after the service. I would love to talk with you more about what it means to follow Jesus. So many of us in this room have placed our faith in Jesus. We know that our meaning and purpose and value comes from Him. And yet we still look to the things of the world to fill us up, we still look at our jobs. We still look at our uh, relationships. We still look at at the things of the world. We even look at religious rituals to fill us up, to give us joy and satisfaction and meaning. We look at the things around us to, to make us whole. Instead of recognizing that the way we have purpose and meaning and value in life is by following Jesus, by putting our faith and trust in him and living out of that faith, by giving God glory in everything that we do. So this morning, as you're evaluating your life, you'll see things in your life that you're not glorifying God with. There are things in your life that are not you're not living out of your faith in Jesus. You're trying to find meaning, purpose, value, and things of the world, the busyness of life. And you're, you'll notice that those things, you're not living out your faith in Jesus. You're not trying to glorify God. You're trying to find meaning, purpose, and value in those things. And this morning, the call for each and every one of us is to give up finding meaning and purpose and value in those things and recognize that all of the meaning and purpose and value that we could ever need is found in Jesus. And it's only found in Jesus. So the call on our lives is to to follow him in faith, to live out our faith in him, to trust him with everything that we are. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word and the challenge that it places on our lives to To pick our eyes up from this world, the emptiness, the brokenness, the hollowness of our lives. To pick our eyes up from following and finding value and meaning and purpose in the things around us. And to pick our eyes up to you. God, I thank you and praise you that there's an eternal perspective that we're not left in the brokenness and the emptiness of life in the world. God, that we aren't stranded here, but that you have given us meaning and purpose through faith in Jesus. God, that we can have a relationship with you in which we can experience and enjoy you forever. Give you the glory and honor and praise that you're due pray this morning, if there's anybody here who does not know you, who've never placed their faith in you and are running and finding joy and satisfaction and life in the things of the world, God, I pray that you will expose them for what it is, that those things in the world are empty and broken, that there is no life in them, that all of the meaning, purpose, and value that they'll ever need is in you. God, I pray this morning that they will stop looking in the world, God, they will fix their eyes on you. They will place their faith in Jesus, and they will experience meaning, purpose, and value for the first time. God, I pray for those of us who who know you, who love you, who follow you. God, I pray that we would stop getting distracted by the things of the world. We would stop trying to find meaning, purpose, and value in the things around us, and we would live out our faith in Jesus that we will bring you glory and honor and praise at everything that we do. And God, that we would be people who enjoy you, who love you, who experience your grace and your goodness and your riches for all of eternity. We love you. We praise you. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.